on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, The Man, The Myth, The Legend, The Monty Man. I wouldn't lie to you, Tony. I know. I know. <laughs> We're all the same. Saved by grace is the name of the game. Turn around, hit the ground. Time to lay your burden down. Welcome once again to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. We have a full house today. Very full house. Mm-hmm. Dave Fleming is here. Hey, Dave. Hey, Monty Man. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Dave Fleming is a certified alcohol and drug counselor and a bunch of other stuff, too, um, out at the Adult Teen Challenge Center in Shed, Oregon. Denver, Denver, Denver is here. Morning. Good morning, Denver. Denver, Denver is a, what would you call, what would you, what's a fancy title for what you do? Complicated. Denver's complicated. Yes. Definitely. Denver is a uh, state-certified uh, addiction peer support specialist. That's PSS. PSS for you guys. Oh, Lord. PS, PSS. Uh, Tony, the queen of the golden arches, is here. Good morning. Tony is a 12-stepper, and uh, she is the the laughter in our otherwise dreary show. Thank God. Right? And Cowboy Marv is here. Marv is also a 12-stepper, and behind that mustache, he is just cracking up. Oh, yeah. Hey, Marv. <laughs> How's it going? It's going well. <clears throat> and uh, today on the show, we have a very special guest, uh, my friend Billy Anderson. Hey, Billy. Hello. Thank you for having me here. You betcha. Billy is the director of clinical outreach for Sunspire Health at Astoria Point. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to mostly be talking about Billy's story. Uh, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. Right, Billy? Uh, yes. Nice. Billy wasn't always doing as well as he's doing today. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? No, you wouldn't <laughs> say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we do all that, we like to have a little bit of fun. Okay, so I've always wondered about this. <clears throat> In an act of... Con- <laughs> what did you- Wandering's over now, isn't it? Uh, it is. It is. In an act of common courtesy, to light a match after using the bathroom. <laughs> oh, 
lordy. Um, <laughs> you ever do that? You, you ever light a match after using the restroom? Absolutely. They have potpourri now. Potpourri. Potpourri? Yes. Yeah. Uh, after dropping a dirty bomb on that. <laughs> Let, Mount, me, let Mount. me guess, the Shave Club, right? Yep. Here, let me get the other one. I didn't hear this one yet, though. I haven't got my march one. On Mount Porcelain. There we go. There the poop pillow. <laughs> we have a poop pillow emoji sitting next to me here. Um, but how does that actually combat the stinky memories left behind by our behinds? <laughs> hmm? Multiple choice. Well, well, during, is this trivia? No, this oh. is just oh. this oh. is just for fun and for free. <laughs> Wow. This Dur- is just bilateral periphery. It is bilateral <laughs> periphery. Uh, during an episode of Myths, Mythbusters, the host pumped uh, hyd- hydrogen sulfate and meth. Meth. See? See? <laughs> See where we go? Hold on. Methyl mercaptian uh, smell causing compounds that are found in both farts and feces. Ooh. The FFs. Mm-mm. Into a sealed chamber. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you. They then measured the concentrations of these gases before and after lighting a match and found that the accumulation of gases remained unaffected. Uh, This proves that lighting a match doesn't either consume or eliminate these odors at all. So why do you think it doesn't smell like Mount Poop? I don't know. Take a guess. That's a great question. I feel like it really helps. (laughs) Mass it. I don't uh, know. Getting sober. Yeah. We don't treat the underlying causes. <laughs> You're right. It's just nasty. It's just bound to come right, exactly. back. We like to have fun here. Your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is you, it because of the smell of the match? So what I step you want? I can't believe we're even talking. I know. About this. I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> James, be like, a, uh, that's another show. What step you working? I don't do that. I go to meetings. <laughs> <laughs> well, what step you working? I don't do that. I drink bad coffee. <laughs> Don't get me started, right? Well, instead, lighting a match produces sulfur dioxide, a smell-causing compound that's even more pungent and therefore masks the smell, but it does not remove it. Hmm. To prove it, go back in there. <laughs> How long? A minute and 30 seconds after you've lit the match. <laughs> wow. There's a time. Okay, so there's that. I just thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Stop right Uh-oh. there. It's time for Monty Man's Weekly Wine. The baby. The I baby. Miss, I miss the baby. The baby. Okay. Um, we're not going to do a weekly win this week because I just don't want to. <laughs> Marsha's going to kill you later. I know. That's all right. Okay. So here's my wine. So I'm, I'm, I, I call up, but my wife's always saying, call them before you go there to find out if they do have that or if they have that service is available or whatever, you know, so when you're going to go purchase something or whatever. So you all know that I've already whined about the fact that the uh, non-dairy coffee creamer liquid form sugar-free, there isn't any big bottles of it. There's just the little bottles mm-hmm. and they're really hard to find. Right, so I call up Cash and Carry, and, and I'm throwing them under the bus, just like I promised. <laughs> I always, you know, most 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 media guys say, "Well, I'm not going to mention any names." Not me, man. Because what do we do when we don't like them, Tony? We burn them down. We burn them down. <laughs> so Cash and Carry in Salem. Uh, so I call them up. And I says, "Do you have Nestle's? By the way, Nestle's owns Coffee Mate." Mm-hmm. I said, "Do you have Nestle's Coffee Mate liquid creamer in sugar free?" 
And I said, and please hear me, sugar free. He said, mm-hmm. absolutely we do. But mm-hmm. let me check just to make sure. A good three to four minutes later, Oh, God. <laughs> he comes on the phone. Are you still there? And I really wanted to just not say anything, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I didn't have the heart. You know, I want to hear him say, sir, sir, you know, just because <laughs> I like to, you know, misbehave. But I said, yeah, I, I'm here. And he goes, we definitely have that. And we have it in, in all three sizes, the little cups, the 24 ounce, and then the 32 ounce. I said, that's great. I'll be right there. He goes, we have two cases left. Super. <laughs> You drove to Salem? I drove to You can't buy it anywhere else. Uh, Walmart in Albany? They, they don't have it. I just bought some. In, in the big fat ones? Yes, 32 ounces. I, they vary, but they can't keep it in stock. Because every time I go, they're out. Because you buy it. They bought it all. Mm-hmm. So, I made sure I called ahead to see if you were coming. <laughs> so I went up there. Because I guess, like to misbehave, too. Guess what they don't carry? <laughs> what you asked for. That's right. <laughs> so I'm walking up, me and my broke, my, my bone spur, and my bad back and everything else. I mean, don't they know the effort I put in? And I, I'm going up and down the omelet. So finally I get a hold of the one guy that works there, evidently. <laughs> and I said, I called ahead, and it's his voice. I recognize his voice. He goes, that must have been, that must have been Fred. That said that. And I go, no, I think it was you. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> he goes, well, we don't carry that. Oh, my God. Now, this isn't the first time this has happened to me. I've driven long distances before. For Creamer? I've dri- driven up to Kaiser to get sound equipment. And they, oh, we don't have that. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. So there's my wine. Mm. <laughs> ever happened to you, Marv? Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you ever go, do, do you have mm. them spurs? and? <laughs> In, in in chrome, yes, you, sir, we do. I, I like the one where somebody tells you, oh, you know what? That's on sale down here at such and such. And, oh, yeah. And it's something you really wanted, so you haul butt down there to get it. Yep. And, oh, we just run out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we just, yeah. Let's face it. Dealers will disappoint you. Dealers. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, too. Every time. You know, I had a dealer that was really... Very, he never disappointed me, you know, and he probably should have. <laughs> hey, was that the same guy from the alcohol store you used to live by? The Boost shop? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, A Street Avenue Liquors <laughs> in Hayward, California. All right. Well, coming up, we got some, uh, we got some interesting stuff coming up. So this Wednesday, mm-hmm. day after tomorrow, uh, Tony's going to be here. Are you going to come? I'll Mark? be here. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, remember about. we talked about last week, Roger McDermott, our Southern California rep for the radio station, is going to be here. That's this Wednesday? That's this Wednesday. What time? At 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Is it physically good better or still or be calling in PM. AM. You're supposed to be here he's, anyway. Yeah. I know. He's he's flying in, or flying, he's driving in right now. He's headed, for, he's coming from Redding, California, right at the moment. Uh-huh. And he'll be here later this afternoon. Oh, I've been to Redding. Uh, so Roger's going to be, and the topic of the show is Asleep in the Light, Emotional Sobriety, and the Church. <laughs> Can't wait for the emails on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, Brandon Manning will be here next Monday with his uh, powerful story, a really, really an amazing story of miraculous work of God in his life. Uh, kick the devil to the curb. Brandon Manning will be here next Monday. And then 
on March 7th uh, at the uh, Victory Report, the uh, show where we feature members of Teen Challenge of Arizona, uh, Marla M., the intake coordinator for the Adolescent Girls Center uh, of Arizona, will be here. And then Wednesday on the 28th of March, have you guys ever heard of My Pillow? Yeah. yeah, My yeah, Pillow, yeah. yeah. I know Mike. Mike Lindell. Oh, you, I thought you said you know My Mike? Pillow. No, My Pillow, yeah. Have you ever Mike? heard of My Pillow? Not this one. Have you ever heard of My Pillow? The product, My Pillow. No. You haven't? No. Girl, you need to watch more infomercials. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, My My Pillow is an amazing. I own 3. By the way, two here. And you own two? I do. Did it change your sleeping? Definitely. It, no. it, oh my gosh, yeah. Maybe you need to get James some of those cuz he snores. It, well, that won't change your snoring, but oh. I'll tell you what. Uh, I have never slept better than huh. with my pillow. It's called my pillow. So then you can it's, say this is my pillow. It's yeah. actually it's called Mike my pillow. Mike, well, Mike Lindell is is the founder and inventor of my pillow and he's going to be on the show sharing his story of What recovery. is it? Uh, that'll be Wednesday, March 28th. Okay, I'm taking that day off. I want to see this my pillow person. Well, he won't be in studio. He'll be on the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, never mind. (laughs) Anyway, so we've got a bunch of great stuff uh, coming up. And uh, we just keep you informed and all that stuff. Uh, For all that information, go to Take12Radio.com. We're going to take a break. And we'll come back with some trivia. And then we're going to hear Billy Anderson's story. All right, so don't go away. Check this out. Don't go away. Take 12 Recovery Radio. We'll be right back. Turn around, hit the ground, time to lay a burden down. One, two, one, two, three, and... Hey, check this out. Albany and Lebanon Celebrate Recovery in cooperation with Take 12 Recovery Radio presents Nashville Recovery Recording Artist Heather Lane in two exclusive concerts. Tuesday, March 13th at Hope Church Family Center, Albany, Oregon. And Wednesday, March 14th at Southside Church of Christ in Lebanon. Heather's life hit bottom over a decade ago. She felt lost, confused, and wondered why she was even breathing. Her lowest point became her turning point. Now, spreading the good news of recovery through the power of God is the passion of her award-winning songs. Don't miss these two opportunities to experience some of the best in recovery music and testimony. So mark your calendars for March 13th and 14th. Admission is free and all are welcome. Both events kick off with a free dinner beginning at 6 p.m. followed by an evening with Heather Lane. This is Tony Morosi from the recovery band Self-Esteem, and we're listening to the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show with the Monty Man on KHLT Broadcasting. Uh-oh. And now, it's the Quiz of the Week. That's right, everybody. It's time for Take 12 Trivia. Sponsored by that award-winning 12-step magazine, the 12-step Gazette. 
visit their website at 12stepgazette.com. Now, here's the Montana. Alrighty. We have to play a little trivia here, Billy. Uh, we'll give you the, the, the first crack at uh, the first question. Uh, it's totally useless trivia. It doesn't mean anything, and uh, nobody really You're cares. You're be broken in. And if you get them all, if you get them all right, uh, you don't get nothing except for maybe a poke in the eye with a sharp stick, and that's probably it. <laughs> Sounds good. If you get it wrong, you get the fluff machine. If you get it right, that's about the extent of your prize. Um, oh, you got a new bell. No, it's the old bell. Oh. We just have a new... Oh, that's right. That's right. That's oh, right. Oh, yeah. You might get this, too, if you get it wrong. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. Oh, Can by the way. start over? Huh? Welcome to Take 12 Recovery Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. The average person falls asleep in, and there's your choices, uh, Billy, uh, A, seven minutes, B, 15 minutes, C, 25 minutes. B. B, 15 minutes. Mar, what do you think? Seven, wow. fifteen, or twenty-five. <clears throat> B, fifteen, twenty. Mine's like three hours because James snores like horribly. Uh, okay, so I say D though. Kick the him longest the, one. Kick him to the curb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to burn him. <laughs> D, the longest. That's not even a choice. <laughs> what do you think, Denver? Billy is wise for his age. I'll go with B. B. All right. Dave, seven, uh, fifteen, twenty-five. I'll go with the crowd. B. B. Well, you all would be incorrect. G, Billy. Yeah, sorry, Billy. <laughs> Wait, didn't I say the last one? You said D, and there's no D. Oh. <laughs> so Billy just lost his trip to the Bahamas. No. Uh, a, a, it's seven minutes. Average person falls asleep in seven minutes. That's wrong. Yeah, well, we're not average. I thought there was wrong. a 75 option. I'm down in NyQuil and ZQuil and yeah. Benadryl oh my and every drill you Benadryl can. Benadryl works good. Huh? They have NyQuil in non-alcoholic form. You know why I know that? Because <laughs> you take it. Because <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. I'm looking for the one with the alcohol. And I'm finding the one with no alcohol. I did that one. That's another weekly wine right again. there. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. I thought maybe you found it when you were up in Salem looking for the creamer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the, green- <laughs> the silent cowboy. You got to love him. And you know, you know, NyQuil has a lot of nerve going from 25% booze to 10%. Give me a break. I used to enjoy my after hours happy hour. No, no. It, it, you know, the NyQuil Mm-mm. bottle, shot Never. glass included. Mm-mm. After 2 a.m., you can still buy it. You just drink two of them. I, oh, that's right. Oh, Jesus Christ. No. Just I drank one once and I, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Takes 12 Radio does, does not suggest that you drink NyQuil. Okay. Uh, the electric chair was invented by, by who? <laughs> Switching gears. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Was it invented by a dentist, a prison inmate, or a medical examiner? Well, I think I know this. A dentist. Dentist? What do you think, Billy? I'm going to go with the dentist, too. That sounds right. Okay. Prison inmate or medical examiner or a dentist? Uh, there, Marv? Medical examiner. Medical examiner? What do you think? I'm going, I'm going with Marv. <laughs> we've been through Medical this. examiner? Yeah, we've been through this before. Oh, hey, that's Dave. <laughs> Medical examiner. All right. Well, who said dentist? You guys? Yeah. You we guys did. are right. High five. Yeah. What? It was a dentist. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. dentists want to kill you. Did you know that's the number two uh, two highest suicide rate in the medical profession is dentists? Yes. everybody hates them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a dentist. Oh, you did? I, you look yeah. a little like a How dentist. How can you look at people's mouths all day? I, I, I had braces for four years when I was a kid, and I've, I've always wanted to 
give that back because I had a real bad smile before. Oh, and, so you uh, just wanted to give it back? I so. did a lot of drugs and drinking instead. So. Right on, Billy. Man, that was, and that was Billy's story. Yes. That was all, Billy's story. Thanks all, for coming, Billy. Yeah, that's um, all we need to know. Number three, 90, uh, 90, 90? Yeah, percent of all species that have become extinct have been what? Birds, rodents, or insects, Marv? Birds. Birds? Billy? Can I have a lifeline? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say insects. Insects? Tony? Oh. Quick, Tony. Time's up. Rodents. <clears throat> rodents. Okay. Dave? Insects. Insects. Two-legged <laughs> birds. Birds is correct answer. That is the correct answer. Birds, little birdies. We're soon to follow. Probably. I was gonna say because insects have like gone through nuclear wars yeah. and what? Oh, insects true. make it. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're almost done. Praise God! <laughs> Each of us generates about three point five pounds of rubbish a day. Three point five pounds. Most of it is what? Is it food, Tony? Is it paper or is it plastic? What? Wait, is that like poop? Three point five pounds oh, of rubbish. Well, like- no, but <laughs> paper poop, Here's a plastic match. poop. Ken dolls create well, plastic poop. Sometimes you don't like poop. to say poop, so you say other words. <laughs> paper, paper. Okay, Denver. I'm sorry, I lost the three choices. I got lost. There. Food, paper, or plastic. Uh, uh, plastic. <coughs> Dave. Food. <laughs> Billy, I'm gonna go with food too. That seems you're like gonna go with food. When, you, when are you gonna go with there, Marv? Well, I've been making a big deal about plastic. Have you? Ooh. Yeah, mm. stuff. So I'll well, go with that. Did anybody say paper? Did you say paper? You said paper, Johnny. I said yeah, paper. paper. You'd be right. Yeah, it is paper. Because we yeah. do that at McDonald's every day. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Paper. Uh, plastic is number two. Food's number three. Uh, they are the three most waste products, though, uh, uh, of anything that we get rid of. All right, here's the last one. <coughs> Hallelujah. Uh, what won't you find in the gambling casinos in Las Vegas? What won't you find? Uh, these are your choices. No smoking signs, barber chairs, or clocks. Clocks. Clocks? Uh-huh. Clocks? What do you think, Deborah? Clocks. <laughs> Tick-tock. Okay, Marv? Thank you, clocks. You guys really sure about that? Uh, oh yeah. Why are you two so sure? <laughs> I've been to Vegas. They don't want you to keep track of nope. time. They want you to keep. You guys are correct. Time. There are no clocks. I like him. There are no smoking signs in the no smoking areas, and mm. there's a barber chair in just about anywhere. every single one mm-hmm. of those places. Yeah. So does that mean it's timeless? They don't exactly. Have windows timeless. You have no idea. Yeah, what they don't want is. you distracted, man. Not even, not even on the strip. There's no clocks. No clocks on the strip either. Nope. Wow. No clocks and no windows. Nope. No clocks exactly. and no windows. Mm-hmm. So you can check out anytime you like, but you may never leave. Right? Exactly. Right? All right. Well, that does it for Take Trump <laughs> Trivia. Yeah. All right. Especially thank you to uh, all of the people that helped sponsor this show uh, our gold sponsors and uh, our silver sponsors, and Patrick Lebeau. Uh, we just really want to thank him. Um, he, uh, he blessed us, uh, with, uh, a good amount of sponsorship here just the other day, um, which it came just in time. It always comes just in time, uh, cause our Potomatic account, the part that we do pay for, cause they help sponsor us too, um, uh, came due. And so we were able to pay, pay that. And, 
Uh, we want to thank Podomatic. They are the largest host of podcasters in the world, and um, they have family that's in recovery, and so they've been gracious enough to give us unlimited bandwidth and unlimited storage. So, uh, And then Roger McDermott, who will be here uh, Wednesday, I uh, want to thank him too, and then everybody that, that's been sponsoring. What, Dave? I said fantastic. Oh, uh-huh. you said fantastic? Say it again. Fantastic. Say it again. <laughs> Mufasa. And like Pastor Kelly said, God always works on his, his, or his, he's never late. He's never late. No, no. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, our guest is 26 years old. 26 years old? Correct. All right. Mm-hmm. And he's the director of clinical outreach for Sunspire Health at Astoria Point. His passion is to help young addicts get clean before their lives take a turn for the worst. And he also has a passion to strengthen the young people's community in AA and NA. He travels to uh, the Northwest and surrounding areas to find the best treatment centers in the United States to work with. And may I just say, out of my own experience working with Sunspire and helping people get into treatment, I'm very impressed with with them. Uh, His goal is to have a resource for everyone who calls his phone, regardless of insurance or financial holdbacks. Mm -hmm. So everybody join me in welcoming Billy. Yay, Billy. Billy. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk less about Sunspire Health, though, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, but primarily, we want to hear Billy's story um, because it is a story of restoration. It is a story of hope, and definitely a story uh, of a journey of recovery. Billy, so we talked. We kind of made fun of you earlier and said, you know, you look pretty good now, but you probably weren't always that way. What, <laughs> what was going on, man? Um, you know, I was uh, an IV heroin user for most of my um, active addiction. I obviously did. Pretty much everything in the book. Um, really, when it started, I, I was drinking from my dad's liquor cabinet when I was eight. And um, that was just when they'd go out on the town, and I'd try to find a way to get out of myself. You know, I had some, right. some childhood trauma that I was trying to run away from and um, just kind of progressed from there. And before I knew it, you know, I was 115 pounds and living in a tent off of 92nd and Powell in southeast Portland. And, and that's where I ended up. And, um, got my way into treatment and, and it, it changed my life forever. You know, I didn't, I, I'd been through the, the, the state funded program several times, been through Hooper detox several times. Um, just couldn't find a way out really until I had moved, um, out of my comfort zone. My, my parents finally said, you know, we'll help you out with what the insurance that they had. And, uh, I went through Astoria point. I'm, I'm actually an alumni of there yeah as well i should put and that makes it really cool right yeah it does it's yeah. really cool it's 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 interesting to be able to give people an opportunity like i had you know um but yeah um it was not a fun time you know I, uh, did, did you okay so i mean you didn't did you start out okay you were drinking from your parents mm-hmm. liquor cabinet I, I get that's how i started too oh yeah how long did it take you to to go from drinking alcohol to putting a needle in your arm um, well, eight years, you know, by the time I was 16, I was, I was in and, um, it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to, it was because, um, I had been taking the Oxycontins for a while and I was dealing and with why, <laughs> why were you doing that? Because I found that I could make money off of them. Um, you know, we, we grew up pretty poor, not, not terribly. We, we always, for the most part had food, but, um, when I was 13, both my parents lost their jobs. And so they told us, you know, we'll give you a little bit of money, but you have to figure out the rest to get your school clothes. And so I started working at a, uh, at a church and I was licking envelopes and sending out their mail Yeah. and they paid me a $500 at the end of every summer. But I, I grew up in a neighborhood where there was drugs that were heavily prevalent. And I had a dealer right down the road 
who I saw, he always had money. And, and I just, <laughs> I wanted to know what he was doing. And so right. I eventually asked him to, you know, help me out. And um, I started out just selling, you know, marijuana. And, and um, I, I progressed fast because I figured out that if you sold the harder stuff, you could make more faster. Mm. And when I, when I got into the Oxycontin pills, um, I was selling them like candy. And I was like, man, these people are calling me all the time for these things. You know, how... How do they? How do they work? How does it feel? And before I knew it, I so was, you were selling before you ever used. Oh yeah, okay. and and I and I found that I liked it a lot. Right, and it was easier than getting drunk because people couldn't smell it. I just sure. had to stay awake, <laughs> and um, you know that was that was my story. And and I remember um, I I started to feel sick at one point when I hadn't used them for a couple days, and. Um, I called up a friend of mine and he was like, you know, what's going on? And I said, I don't, I don't feel good, man. And, uh, he said, Oh, you're, you're sick. You're dope sick. And I said, well, really? So that was total, total news to you. Pretty much. That, I mean, I, I always knew something about it, you know, yeah. cause the people on the phone had talked about it, but I didn't know that it felt like that. that and, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he said, you know, I got something that'll make you feel better and I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. Just that it'll make you feel better. Yeah, and that's what kind of led me into using heroin, and um, I hit it pretty well at first for a long time. All of the school counselors and the school police officer were were on to me. They knew what was going on, but I was, you know, quote unquote smart with what I did, and <coughs> and they they didn't really get me with anything other than possession of marijuana charges for the longest time. And uh, by the time I was eighteen, um, I had been kicked out of my parents' house. They found mm-hmm. guns in my room and all sorts of stuff, and. Um, so from 16 to 18, you were messing around with firearms. Oh yeah. The whole, wow. yeah. I, I was afraid that people were going to rob me if, yeah, I know you can't see me on the radio here, but I'm not a very big guy, right. <laughs> you right. know? And so I just, I wanted to stay behind a gun because I figured that I wouldn't get, get messed with. And, um, yeah, so I moved into an apartment and was working with some pretty shady people at the time. And, um, we lost that apartment of course, shortly after. And the apartment got destroyed and, uh, I moved back in with my folks cause they were like, you know, Hey, if you're going to clean up, we'll help you. And within a week I had stolen all of my grandmother's jewelry who had passed away. Um, stolen pretty much every electronic device I could out of my, out of my folks house. And they kicked me out and I moved from friend's house to friend's house to friend's house. And I stole from family and friends and anybody that would support me for more than a day, I would take advantage of them. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not proud to say that, but that's that's what happened. And uh, by the end of it all, you know, I, 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 my mom and, and my dad were, were talking to me recently about it. You know, every single Thanksgiving or Christmas, I was in Hooper Detox or in some sort of treatment program. Right. And, uh, you know, towards the end of it, my, I have, I'm, I'm six out of seven in my lineup of brothers and sisters. And so my older brothers were like, you know, telling my parents, just give up, just give up, let them die. You know, that's what's going to happen. And, um, I called them for that last Christmas on December 25th of 2011. And I said, Hey, I'm in Hooper again. And they said, great. What's new. Mm. And, uh, I said, well, I really want to do it this time. And, and, um, I left that program and I found a guy that said, Hey, let's go get loaded. And I said, you know what? Right on. Let's go do that. Cause something changed in there. And, um, I went out with him for about 
I don't know, six or seven days. And um, I was going back to my tent and I found that it was destroyed and somebody had cut it open. And um, I jumped on the bus and headed back towards uh, the Fred Myers that was local there on Foster. And I, I knew that they kind of knew me because I'd been stealing stuff from that place for a while. Oh, there's and, Billy. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and uh, so I kept going because there's another one down on Johnson Creek in, yeah. in 82nd. And, and my folks live one stop before that 82nd in Johnson Creek, uh, Fred Myers. And for some reason, I just got off the bus. I really don't know why. And, and I went up to my, my parents' house, and I knocked on the door, and I said, hey, you know, I, I think I'm ready. Because, of course, I didn't have a house key at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and my dad sat there, and we called treatment center after treatment center after treatment center. And and um, I think w- what really got me to grasp what was going on is um, over and over and over again, my, my, my father said, you know, I'm, I'm not even willing to spend $1,000 on this kid. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you guys understand. Because all the treatment centers were like 8000 10000 eight weeks, six weeks, you know, whatever it was. And, sure. And I knew that if I didn't get help that day, that then then it was over. And uh, one of the last places that we called was Astoria Point, and uh, they helped us out. And, and my dad had a, a decent union insurance plan, and so they let me in, and um, I stayed there for 91 days in a residential facility. And I'll never forget when they dropped me off. You know, it was it, it was if you don't make it don't ever come back. I don't think you understand. You don't have another option. Mm. We've done enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I truly thought to myself, I wonder how long it'll take me to walk back to Portland from Astoria, Oregon. <laughs> and I looked up in Cause the you sky. were already thinking you weren't going to make it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, I looked up into the sky and it was raining, you know, cause it rains all the time on the Oregon coast. And, um, I said, you know what, I'll, I'll just give this a shot. Why not? I don't want to have to walk back, and I don't think hitchhiking is a good idea. And uh, I went in there, and they, they tried to get me to take all the detox medications and everything, but I'd done it so many times, you know, trying to taper myself mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff, and I just kept telling them no. And I, I sat in the bed there, cold turkey detox, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, how, long, how long had you been using opiates? Four years. For four years straight, mm-hmm. so it was. It That's was, a long detox. It was terrible. It was seven. Yeah. It was it was seven days of the real hard stuff, and right. then an additional about you know sixty days of just feeling the shivers here and there. And sure, just the pains were coming back, you know. Um, but that first seven days, I'll never forget that for the rest of my life, you know. And I, it was really through God's grace that I made it through that, yeah. you know, without having to take anything. Um, so no Suboxone. Nope. No Vivitrol, nope. no, none of that stuff. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I was I was too afraid, you know. I, I had done the Suboxone tapers off the street that I had bought. I'd done the buprenorphine tapers. And right. I always felt as though I just got sick again afterwards. And I'd tried, you know, they always, they talk about in the big book switching from scotch to brandy. Well, I, I switched from heroin to meth, and that yeah. didn't work. Right, I, right. I, I switched from heroin to crack, mm. and that didn't work. I mean, I've done pretty much every drug in the book that I know of. Um, and nothing would stop that feeling of, of withdrawal. So when they told me to take a withdrawal drug, I said, well, I'm going to withdraw again off of the withdrawal mm, drug. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to do that, mm. you know, and it, it just, I stuck with it, you know, and, yeah. and once I made it out of there, I said, man, I'm, I'm never going to do that again. Part of my head was like, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, 
well, maybe later, you know, <clears throat> but I, I just kept telling myself, I'll give this one year. I'll give it AA an earnest shot and I'll give it one year. And if nothing changes, then I'll go back and do what I want to do. And, um, that, that was kind of the start of it all for me. So, so let's review something here. Cause you made, you made an, and I want to ask these guys something too. So you made an interesting statement. You, you said at one point after several attempts, you said this time I mean it. And then you ran into a guy and you were off to the races again. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm going to take a stab at it here. When you said this time I mean it, you did mean it yeah. at that moment. At that moment. Right. You really did. Marv, when you, when you, did you have bouts in your drinking career where you said this time I really want to stay sober? I'm going to stay sober and then turn right around and didn't? No. Tell me, tell me about that. I'm just curious about. Well, uh, and I think the reason is, 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 uh, uh, I didn't have any big catastrophes happen. Okay. Um, typical alcoholic, um, I kept working. I had a family to take care of, and and I, and, and I just drank enough to maintain. I I didn't uh, go over the line to where I was homeless or gotcha. any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and even then, when I did come into AA, I came through the back door because. <laughs> I was uh, supposedly supporting an alcoholic wife. Right. And so for a long time. You were there I, for I her. Was just <laughs> that was there. the back door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. I really can't answer that question. Why did you stay, though? I mean, you, something well, hooked you, right? Right. First meeting within the first half hour. Really? Yes. Uh, what it was was the reality of the spiritual part of the program. That hit you. That hit me hard. Tony, what, what about you? Did you ever have times where you really did mean it and then you found yourself totally powerless and you were back out doing the deal again? Mm, there are multiple times I said I meant it. Yeah, but, but you really think, did, right? Well, I won't lie. After I got out of jail, I did it a couple more times and then I'm like, I'm done. I, I can't. I'm mm -hmm. tired of being tired. Mm -hmm. And so it, I was even in... Um, serenity lane and yeah my counselor's like you can't keep doing this you're gonna get your ankle brace back you're gonna go back to jail you're gonna oh still hits home sure yeah. sure yeah after that it was like yeah not, i i want it what about you guys marvin dave did you ever have times where i mean uh uh marv i called dave marvin i called <laughs> you dave wow <laughs> Dave, Denver, did you guys did you guys go through a hey, thing where you, you are you want to field that question? When you really <laughs> you really meant it, but it didn't take your your good intentions weren't power enough. You want me to take this, Denver? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I can honestly say I didn't I didn't have that issue because I never got to the point where I thought that uh, I wasn't in control until one day I. Uh, was on my way home from work, and and uh, I, th I thought to myself, I had that moment of clarity, and I said, uh, no. Uh, I realized after I took that, you know, I, I made my little drink, my little drink routine on the way home, mm -hmm. about 10 minutes down the road, <laughs> I realized that I, I couldn't drink and I couldn't not drink because all of a sudden uh, my vision cleared up, uh, the 
shaking, the internal shaking went yeah. away, and I always attributed it to that high blood pressure. So I never even connected the dots right. until that, that particular moment. That was probably the only time. Um, and then that was at that point where I said, hey, you know, if there's a God and you want to work in my life, help me be- get back into treatment so I can make a go of this. And I did, you know, what our guest was saying about that one-year thing. I said, I'm going to do this to the best of my ability for one year. Yeah. And if I if it doesn't work, then I can always go back to doing what I was doing. Sure. Sure. Well, you never... Not unlike you, Billy, I tried it every which way to see if I could make it work on my own, mm-hmm. and uh, none of it works. It always ends up the same for me. So yeah. uh, until I until I was ready to give it up and surrender it, uh, I tried it every which way, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So, so my point is is obsession does not conform to reason, mm-hmm. right? If you're truly alcoholic, if you're truly an addict, and you truly are powerless, like my experience has been, then the power of logic isn't sufficient. But something happened, right? Yeah. What what was what, what was the light bulb thing for you? I mean, I, I really can't say. I mean, I, I lost. One of my closest friends, when I was out there using, you know, um, yeah. he overdosed and died. And, you know, I'd always, and, and it's such a, a terrible statement, but it's just the way that I thought. You know, I always thought that people that overdosed and died were weak. Mm. And and me, and me and him weren't weak, you know. Right. And when he died, it was like, I'm not Superman. So that burst your bubble, didn't it? Yeah, but it, it still wasn't right away. You right. know, it was, it was almost four months later. And I went on a spree, and I, I had tried to stop again, and, and I, I went back out, and um, I went into the, one of the park blocks in downtown Portland, and um, I shot up uh, a gram, and it was a lot for the time because I was really just maintaining, yeah. you know, at that point. Um, and I, I remember I overdosed because you can kind of feel it coming off, <laughs> and I just told myself, oh, crap, you know, and I, yeah. I remember hitting the ground, and then I woke up the next day, and I, I did it alone, and a lot of the people that I know I've I've only met a couple other people that have overdosed alone and made it and they they didn't die, you know, and when I woke up I looked in the mirror and I remember just my my lips were all blue and, and my eyes were all sunk and and I just felt like hell and I just said, you know, maybe there's a reason why I'm here, but I still wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. You know, I I kept playing this all in my head like come on. But I I think one of the the biggest things at the time was was just my dad talking like that. You know, I mean, him and I never really got along when I was younger because of the stuff that I was doing, obviously. But, uh, you know, he was a hardworking man and he, he really tried his best to support us. And we weren't we weren't wealthy, you know. Yeah. And he worked all the time. And when he when he said that, you know, I mean, to I, I have a son now and I have my second son is due April 1st. I would do anything for my son. Anything. I mean, if I had to put every single amount of money I had to on my credit cards and and sign a payment plan for the rest of my life, I would do anything for him. And uh, when he said that, it was like, man, this mm. has gone too far. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, something in my head was still obsessing. And and I can just really say that it, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that I even went to their house that day. Right. I mean, I could have just went to that Fred Myers, turned back <clears throat> around, got back into my old life, no problem. Yeah. God's, you know? God's grace. It is. God's you know? grace. I always, yeah. I always talk about it, you know, 
for me, I'm I'm lucky that I didn't get justice for my actions. I got mercy. Wow. You know? Ooh. And it's that's powerful. That is powerful. Yeah. I mean, I in in Tibet as well. I mean, I, obviously, I was I was um, in and out of jail, and I <laughs> I was facing a two and a half year print, prison sentence. And when I got out, I uh, went in front of the judge. I think this was my clarity moment for that one year timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in front of the judge. I had just gotten out of treatment the day before, and um, I went up to the uh, to the podium or whatever to talk to the judge, and I had no lawyer. And he had convicted me before a couple times. And he said, uh, Mr. Anderson, are you sure you don't want a lawyer? And I said, yeah, I'm sure. He said, I'm going to ask you again. <laughs> are you sure? And I said, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm just going to tell you what happened, man. And so I, I laid it out on the table, and I said, here's a letter from the clinical director, a letter from the executive director, a letter from my counselor, and and this is what I've been doing, and I was insane, and I'm sorry that I ran, and I'm sorry that I didn't take care of my stuff, but I didn't know what else to do. And I checked myself into treatment, and this is the proof of it. Here's my completion certificate. And uh, everybody else that day had been getting the bracelets, you know, yeah. going off every day. I, I know those. Yeah. I yeah. know those. Yeah, me too, right? <laughs> all, all day. I was, and I, so I hugged my dad and my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I just said, I'll see you guys in a couple of years, you know? Yeah. And uh, for some reason, my dad said that the prosecutor was looking me up and down the whole time, and the judge just kind of sat back and took the papers and was like, well, what do you think to the prosecutor? And the prosecutor said, I think we should give him a second shot. Wow. And I walked out of that courtroom, and I was like, I don't have another chance. Yeah. To get away. And I, you know, I do have a criminal record and it's held me back from a lot, but sure. I didn't have to go to prison, thank God. And it was all because I got sober and I relied upon God to keep me on the right track. That's how I made it. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it's been that way ever since I got clean. And um, I, I can say that within that year that I gave it, the, the, the promises that they talk about will be amazed before we were halfway through. I wasn't even halfway through that year. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, my life is completely different, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't great. I was living in a garage on a couch, right, right. <laughs> but it was good. You know? What what was it? How was it for you? I mean, we talk about for a person to, to actually experience a state of recovery, you're going to need to have the desperation of a drowning man. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely had that. But there's work to be done, right? Oh, yeah. And the big book says now there's work and more work. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, things. Uh, uh, things like next we launched. I mean, that's from step three to step four. That's mm-hmm. zero to two hundred in a matter of seconds. It's an Air Force term. Boom. You don't wait, you know, for a month to start your next step. That right. kind of thing. So you're in treatment. Did you work a a twelve step program in treatment, or did they just kind of help you start it, or how'd that work? Yeah. The, so they helped us do the, the Hazelden books, you right? Know, um, when when I was there, and they did take us to outside meetings, and I got a couple sponsors, and and um, you know, I was. I was the guy that sat in the back and I had two or three different sponsors at first because I was trying to find somebody that I was open to talking about all the stuff that I'd done. Yeah. I was more focused. You know, everybody talks about the fourth step and the third step. I was focused on the fifth. I was okay Mm. with God, you know, for the most part. I had a general conception. But the fifth step was the one that scared me the most. You know, being able to talk about everything that I'd done to to God and to another human being. I mean, ooh, you know. and Right. So I went through a couple guys and – um. I ended up finding a, a captain of a charter boat out in Astoria. And, oh, really? And he only had about eight months more than I. Right. But something about him was like, this guy's he's perfect, you know. And, and mm. that was about eight months into my sobriety that I had found him. And we ran through him quick. Wow. Um, but when I did that fifth step, 
they, they talk about, oh, you'll do your fist up with a sponsor and, and he'll tell you that he has more things in common than you'd possibly would have imagined. And he'll tell you it's okay. And, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, <clears throat> that guy told me, he said, uh, well, I don't, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> I love it. Don't and they all? <laughs> it, it scared the hell out of me. You know? and I, I, I remember I went home. He said, "Don't worry, though, man. We're gonna figure this out. I got your back. It's okay." And yeah. And I went home and I was like, "Man, I don't fit into AA. I don't fit into NA. I don't fit into being a drug addict. I, you know, where do I fit? Where do I fit?" And yeah. uh, he called me a couple days later and said, "I got it. I got the plan. This is what we're gonna do." And uh, said, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> and uh, he said, you're going to do your fist up with my pastor. And I said, dude, no, come on. Uh, <laughs> like, I just did it with you. That was enough. You know? but yeah, now right. You, you want me to do it with a man of God? You know, I mean, come on. But something stuck out to me, which is on that coin, you know, honesty, open-minded, willingness, willingness. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe because I've been honest with him and I was open-minded enough to do it. But now I have to be willing to take it to the next step. Mm. And I did it with that pastor and he, he changed my life. You know, he didn't look at me like I was crazy. Right. uh, So your, your fear, whatever it was, Oh yeah. Was just that a threat. It didn't really make good on it. Exactly. It was just a a non-existent, a non-tangible fear. Right. It's just something that I was holding on to. Yeah. And as soon as I let it go and I did it with him, it it was, it was life-changing. It really was. How was your men's process? Were people, did they receive you well? Or did you run into many brick walls with that? Most of them. I had a couple of guys that were like, you know, I really want to beat you up right now, but I love you. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And, yeah. um, you know, there's there's been some really tough men's stuff with the family as well. Because I put sure. them through a lot of pain. And I really don't like to bring up stuff from the past with my folks. Mm-hmm. You know, but one of the coolest things ever is that my father and I, you know, we like I said, I mean, we really didn't have a good relationship. But we've... We've always been uh, together with building cars, classic muscle cars. And so we built up uh, the car that I've had since I was a, a 13 year old. Is that the one on your Facebook page? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. That's yeah, sweet. It's a 69 yeah. Dodge Coronet. It's a yeah. Mopar, no car. But uh, anyway. Um, but he knows nothing about it. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, so we did a, a, a motor swap in it, and we were all excited, and we were going to do this thing and, and go and drive out to Hot August Nights. And it didn't end up working out that way, but it was great because we took my, my other car and we had AC the whole time. Yeah, uh-huh. but uh, you know that was one of the coolest trips that I've ever had. Just driving nine hours. I've never spent time one on one with my dad. I never thought that that would happen. And just just because of the recovery process and being able to do things the right way, you know, I've earned the most of his respect back. And and we mm-hmm. got we got to have some time one on one. I never would have imagined, you know, sure, not in my wildest dreams. And it was just really cool to have that immense times with him as well. You know, they talk about sometimes you'll find them and sometimes it's best to wait and the opportunity will present itself mm-hmm. in God's time. Right. And that's what I've stuck with. You know, I've did a lot of tough ones though. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so let me just ask your opinion in, in, in today's recovery fellowships. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, we have a variety of, of, of characters in the mix, right? I oh, mean, yeah. we have people from all sorts of walks of life, belief systems, experiences mm-hmm. and, and everything but one of the one of the things that is besides the illness that we have in common is the solution yeah. and depending on how we approach that and what our background's been it may look a little different but how important is god in your life as your solution to this um this whole recovery deal in maintaining a healthy recovery that you're in now well I'm going to use an example on this because it, it speaks true to me. You know, I, I always tell my guys that I sponsor is trust, 
first of all, God, and then second of all, your gut, hmm. you know, um, because my, my, my wife and I, we got pregnant right away as soon as we started dating. And, uh, it was one of the most terrifying things I've ever been through. You know, I didn't know her. Um, we, right. we'd known each other from before a little bit, but it was, she knew me when I was using and that was real bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we had all these things happen right away and it was terrifying. And everybody in my family was like, the kid's not yours. If you sign that birth certificate, you're going to screw yourself over for life. You know, um, her mom was like, you guys aren't ready. You know, if you, if you do this, it's going to ruin both of your lives. <clears throat> and the doctors that I was talking to were saying, you know, yeah, it's definitely not yours. But something in my gut, because I was praying so much to, to, for, for guidance, you know, during right. this, something in my gut was like, man, that's, that's your kid. There's nothing that's going to be wrong. You can do this. All you need to do is support her. And I did that. And against all advice, I mean, my, <laughs> a couple of my brothers, they had 007 plans, you know. Yeah. When the baby's born, get a swab, do the mouth thing. We're going to take it away from the, from your from your wife. Marv's going. I, I and yeah. yeah. I do and, understand. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. you know, I I if I would have listened to them, there's there's a big <clears throat> chance today that I wouldn't be a father to my son. Sure. You know, or it would have been way worse to try to make through <clears throat> an amends process on that. Yeah. But I I just I trusted God that everything was going to be okay, and it is. And and my son's three now, and we. We've been successful. We've never really fought, you know. Right. It's amazing how that works. Right. Right. But it's all in God's time, you know. And it ha- you have to trust in God, no matter what. And then your gut, and then get some advice from some people, man. Sure. That's what your sponsor is there for. Right. You know, it's not going to hurt you to ask, but it's yeah. not also going to hurt you to pray. Yeah. Amen. So, you know. Good stuff. So we're almost out of time. You got a conference call here in about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. So we need to wrap this up. But tell us about uh, what does a, a, a director of clinical outreach do? And tell us about Sunspire and Astoria Point. Yeah. So um, what I do is is I go and I network with other uh, treatment centers, other treatment professionals, and I find the areas where Astoria Point doesn't work, and I work with them. So basically, in, in a nutshell, I, I find places for people to go no matter what their situation is. And at Astoria Point, I mean, we offer a couple different things. We have uh, detox on site, which is what I went through there. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> residential and then the partial hospitalization IOP with sober living. And it's all out in Astoria, Oregon. If you're not familiar with that is, that's where the Goonies was filmed. <laughs> yes. Oh, it is. Huh? But uh, yep. <laughs> also, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a program where it's not some fancy Malibu program. It's not some gorgeous mansion on a, on a hill cliff. You know, it's, it's, if you want to go there... The view is nice, though. The view is really nice, <laughs> but still, you know, uh, it's it's where you go if you really want to get down and, and you're you're tired of being sick and tired. It's uh, it's a good place to get a foundation of recovery. And um, I work with the families, and I, I do interventions here and there for some younger folks that, um, you know, need some help and need some, some guidance to show as an example, hey, if I did this and I got sober and I was 20, you can too. Yeah. It's up to you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's it's – it's a good job. You know, I, I really do like helping people. And again, I, I, I want to stress that I don't only work with, with the private places, you know, mm-hmm. I go and I, and I try to research places that I can get people into faster. If they have state insurance, if they don't have insurance at all, I have resources. I, I want to be a beacon of light in the darkness that is addiction where somebody can call me and I can hand them off or help them get into a place to start. You know, that's, that's kind of my goal. And if I can just help, one or two people for my entire career, then so be it. 
You know? uh, the website, by the way, is sunspirehealth.com. And when you go there, it, you can find the different centers that is part of the Sunspire network. Right. And Astoria points on there, point spelled with an E at the end. Yes. Um, and just to speak to that, I called you the other day, mm-hmm. and we'll just call him Let's call John, him. Doe, John Doe or, or whatever. John Doe. I said, uh, John Doe's in, in trouble, and he doesn't have any resources. He's got a Oregon health plan. whoop de doo there, right? right? I mean, because most places don't take that. Mm-hmm. And um, you weren't able to plug him into Astoria Point, but you were you were willing to, to send him in a direction and from what I understand, he has an appointment with that guy on Tuesday. Great. Um, so you were able to help me help a guy that I've known for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, that's what it's all about, right? It, it's exactly. okay If we can't get you with us, let's find a place where we can get you so you can get the help you need. Exactly. And, and that's where your heart really is. Right. Because don't you know, tons of people are on the 90-day waiting list, oh, man. and they're trying to work with uh, uh, out of, what do you call the the different uh, uh, the different insurance policies. We take this, oh, we take part network. out of network, you know, and, network, yeah. you know and, and 30 days is typical. We're not going to pay past that. And, I mean, it's so frustrating. Oh, yeah. It's so frustrating. I was one of those guys that was on the five-month waiting list, you know, and you have to come to these meetings every week, and if you don't, then you don't. You lose your place in the residential program. I mean, try to try to tell that to a heroin addict, you know, that has to yeah. get loaded every day. It doesn't work, right? You know, for me. So that's that's kind of where I like to come in and and be that be that guy to say, hey, great, you're on the waiting list. If you can keep doing those meetings, great. But if you need another route to go, here's another one, or here's another one. You bet. And just keep in contact with me and let me know to, how to help you. You know, that's. But. Billy, thank you for for coming on and sharing your story with us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Any last really thoughts? Is. Just love recovery, man. Love recovery yeah. and love God. Yeah, right on. Right right on, man. I appreciate you so very much. Thank you so much. Uh, again, the website is sunspirehealth.com. Uh, you can find the links at Take 12 uh, Recovery Radio as well. Uh, and we we want to uh, make sure that, that we support their efforts. And so if, if you will go there, just send them an email and just say hi to them. Uh, send me an email if you want to communicate with Billy. Um, and tell him that you enjoyed his enjoyed the show. And some of you are out there going, maybe Astoria Point is someplace I I, I can check out or, or Sunspire Health. At the very least, if I can't get in there, maybe Billy can help me get plugged in somewhere. Because sometimes, as good as it is, sometimes a 12-step support setting doesn't have the expertise for dealing with co-occurring mental <coughs> health issues, right. trauma, Things like that, it's okay. In fact, the big book talks about sometimes we need outside help. Exactly. You know, so it's a good thing. All right. So we always, uh, did you want to say something, Dave? I was going to say the important thing is to just uh, ask for help. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Don't, don't, it, it's time. There, there's somebody listening right now. Look, it's time. It's time. You know, and it, you, you just got to do it. Step out and do it. Uh, so we always like to close with a song. Our closing song is by Daryl Scott, and it's called It's a Great Day to be alive and uh, it is a great day to be alive that it is all right thank you
got rice cooking in the microwave. I got a three-day beard. I don't plan to shave, and it's a goofy thing. But I just gotta say, hey man, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup. I'm feeling pretty good, and that's a gospel truth. It's neither drink nor drug induced. No, I'm just doing all right, and it's a great. The sun's still shining when I close my eyes It's some hard times in the neighborhood But why can't every day be just this good? It's been 15 years since I left home It said good luck to every seed I'd sown It gave me my best and I left it alone I hope they're doing all right Now, Redford, Redford, what do you see? He says, I see a lone wolf and he's looking straight at me Head in the clouds, but harmless as a tree Good God, I guess he's doing all right It's a great day to be alive I know the sun's still shining when I close my eyes It's a hard times in the neighborhood But why? Sometimes it's lonely Sometimes it's only me And the shadows that fill this room Sometimes I'm falling Desperately calling And howling at the moon
Yes, indeed, it is a great day to be alive. What a great song by Daryl Scott. Hey, a special thank you to our guest uh, today, Mr. Billy Anderson, Director of Clinical Outreach for Sunspire Health and working out of Astoria Point Drug and Alcohol Treatment Center in Astoria, Oregon. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man along with the Take 12 Recovery Radio family, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye now. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. She's a super cat, super cat, she's super kitty, meow. Yeah, kitty, 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 meow. <laughs> <laughs>